Hello everybody, my name is Nkozy and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to dive into two big action movies. One is definitely bigger than the other. First one we're going to talk about is The Meg 2, The Trench, the sequel to the Jason Statham huge shark movie. And we're going to see if the sharks get even bigger or more numerous than the last one. Big hint. It does. The second movie we're going to talk about is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And we're going to see what the latest installment of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle brand brings. And if it brings anything different that we might not have seen in theaters. Big hint. That does as well. So let's jump into it. So when talking about the Meg 2, the trench... We really need to go a little bit deeper, not deep as in to the bottom of the ocean, but at least below the surface. What is it about shark movies or really any movie that deals with underwater that naturally leads to it being either an action movie or a horror movie? I mean, this started with Jaws and movies before that, but... When it comes to the water, it seems like it only has two modes. It has the horror, scary mode, where it can frighten you, it can make you anxious, it can really get to your core, or it's an action movie. It's something that's fun, it's something that's meant to be enjoyed, it's something where you can honestly have a lot of fun with this movie i don't know why those two pendulums really swing when it comes to water movies maybe it has to deal with the fact that we still don't know a lot of what happens deep deep in the ocean's floor There's only so much of the actual ocean that we've explored. There are still parts that we have no idea what's going on down there. We don't even have the ships that can get down there. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's just the fear of the unknown that makes it so intriguing and also so fun to make big monster movies about. So... Let's talk about the Meg 2, the trench, and how it follows in the footsteps of not only the first movie, but also how it follows in the footsteps of some other bigger and, in some ways, better underwater monster movies. So, the Meg 2, it brings back some of the previous cast from the 2018 first movie the meg you know you have jason statham he comes back you also have uh cliff curtis he comes back Paige kennedy comes back as well as a couple of new actors and in this movie the meg is the megalodon it's the largest shark in the world larger than even a killer whale it's that big and they build off of 
the 2018 movie by saying, hey, all the events that happened in the 2018 movie, they did happen. The world is now aware that there are these massive sharks called megalodons. And we have this part of the ocean that they can't get out once they are under it. But once they're above it, we're going to have some trouble because they are huge and they can kill a whole bunch of people. So I do like that this movie not only references the previous movie, it builds off of your knowledge of the previous movie, but it doesn't, it's not held back by it. You can jump into the Meg 2 and understand very quickly what's going on with this movie. It deals with large sharks that are very, very big. It's not that complicated. So when getting to this movie, you wonder how much is the shark going to be in these movies? Because you want to know if this is going to be a horror movie, the less time the shark has on screen, the better because it's much more foreboding you fear when the shark is coming whereas if it's an action movie the more time the shark is on screen the better it is so in this case i would say the shark is decently on screen so that's a plus but it's not so on screen that it takes over the movie this movie does leave a lot of room for your human protagonist of course you have jason statham there he comes back from the lead role of jonas taylor he is the rough and tumble veteran diver who is the everyman who can fight he's technically sound he can drive he can swim he's gonna punch the meg if he can thankfully it never gets to that point where he's actually punching the meg because that that would be ridiculous even in this kind of movie which goes over the top so many ways also you have which i actually like in this movie you have a secondary lead which is uh wu jing he plays a uh, jiming zhang he is the uncle of the previous female lead from the meg and he is this billionaire, genius, playboy, philanthropist. He is essentially an Asian version of Tony Stark, only in no way, shape, or form is he an alcoholic. And in no way, shape, or form is he not afraid to hurt people. So there's that. He's charming when he needs to be. He's a good father figure good family good family guy he also is just as insane as tony stark only in different ways tony stark is driven by his hubris so is this guy although with tony stark it's more about technology and with this guy he is dead set on saying i know how to take calculated risks and one of those risks is one of the big things in the movie 
central parts of the movie and I, I really don't care about spoiling this movie because it's the it's Meg to the trench if you weren't going to see this movie before I don't think my review is going to change anything one of the big parts is that there is actually one Meg that is above this layer of the ocean that the other Megs can't come through and this Meg this guy has been training for years the big thing that he has said is this he has trained this Meg so that way it will not attack him and everybody else is telling him hey you are an idiot this Meg is gonna kill you don't do this and he's like nah I got it I have everything under control so obviously you can tell what happens next I'm not gonna spoil it for you it's exactly what you think it is but in regards to the story I actually like that he is I like that this movie allows its Asian cast in order to step up and be a bigger part of the story now I would say this is just altruism honestly it's mainly because the Meg is heavily financed by Asian theaters so they not only threw them a bone which is one thing I thought they did the really smart thing which is they made one of the characters instead of it being tied in or just a side character somebody who does not have any lines or somebody who is barely important to the movie they tied in their Asian cast members to being in this movie you know as I said Wu Jing plays Ji Meng Zhang and Shu Sophia Kai she plays his niece who is also Jonas's stepdaughter so we get to see Jason Statham's character trying to be an uncle trying to really you know raise this girl and also we see Wu Jing's character trying to help raise her as well so the thing I really like is the fact that they are going out of their way to include these people as not only footnotes in this movie they are including them as actual parts of the story as important pieces that just can't be thrown aside or tossed to the wind so I really like that about the movie also another thing I like is that they brought back Paige Kennedy and this this part isn't really important to the story I just like it because it's not something you normally see in action movies in action movies the lovable sidekick or one of the lovable sidekicks they are generally they always stay that lovable sidekick they really don't get much character growth and the thing they did with Paige Kennedy is they actually made him more of an action guy in this movie and the reason that they did it obviously makes perfect sense if he got through the first Meg movie. If you don't remember this character from the first movie, this is the same guy who he didn't know how to swim. He was 
dealing with all this maritime stuff and he didn't know how to swim. So now in this movie, when the action goes down, he's actually somewhat competent. He's actually like, hey, I actually know a little bit what I'm doing. And why do I know what I'm doing? Because if I was going to sign up for this craziness again, then guess what? I was going to learn. I was going to make sure that I'm not in that same position twice, which makes perfect sense. I actually really like that. So we also, in this action movie, the thing I really do like is we get to see in certain instances the Meg be the terrifying thing that it's supposed to be. We get to see this huge, huge shark just obliterate things. We don't generally get the huge shark to where it's like, hey, the shark isn't willing to eat people. Nope, this shark is more than willing and happy to eat people. This shark is ready. He was born ready. So I really like that about this Meg. And not only do you get one Meg in this movie or two Megs, you get multiple Megs. You get more Megs than you honestly think you're going to get. So I do like that they went bigger and they said, we are going to go crazy with the amount of Megs that we do. So I really, I really did like that. They upped the ante in a believable manner. Now, I've been singing the praises of this movie and I've been happy about it. So what is the downsides? Well, the downsides are numerous and also, yeah, it's, it's numerous. So let's start from the beginning. First downside. For the Meg, this movie has such a paper thin plot. I feel like if the wind hit it at the right angle, it would tear apart this movie. Evil people are evil. Good people are good. You could tell who did what, when, where and why before even 10 minutes into the movie. That's how bad it was. Within 10 minutes, I was like, oh, okay, this person's the bad guy. Okay, this person's a bad guy. Why is this person a bad guy? Because they just look like they're the bad guy. And, oh, yeah, they're the bad guy. So, it was a paper-thin plot. Also, another thing I didn't like about this movie, while the CGI is good, they should have included the Megs even more than what they included it. They had, in my opinion, one too many scenes where they were focusing on the people and they forgot who the moneymaker was. And the moneymaker is the Meg. The Meg should have the most screen time. It does not, which is disappointing. Jason Statham has most screen time, which there's nothing wrong with Jason Statham. I like Jason Statham. Jason Statham should not have more lead time than the thing this movie is named after which is the meg meg 2 should have twice as much screen time as jason statham or jason statham shares the screen time with the meg so 
hey, I don't know. That's just me. In an action movie, I think you really need to go in on your, you know, antagonist, which will be the Sharks. And I don't think they went as much in on the Sharks as I would have liked. So, also, this movie had a bunch of just technical gaffes that really just you could not unsee them. One instance... They say, hey, we only have three spears. And you're like, okay, you only got three spears. That's that's easy enough to remember. So then when Jason Statham uses two of them, they go on this shot for a couple seconds too long where they show Jason Statham. And you're like, well, you've used two. So why do you still have two on your back? This, like I said, there are just technical gaffes on the level of like Game of Thrones with the Starbucks cup in the background where once you see it, you can't unsee it. And my problem was I couldn't unsee any of the gaffes once I saw them, you know, and they were right up there on the big screen. So it's so easy, so easy to point out. So What's my what's my final review, honestly, of Meg to the Trench? This is a fun movie that's bogged down from not enough sharks. This is like the more cowbell scene, the skit from SNL where they just talk about they need more cowbell. They needed more Meg. If they would have had more Meg, this would have been a much more entertaining movie. Not to say it was bad. I've seen bad movies. This was not a bad movie. But it wasn't a good movie. So it was just kind of there. I kind of had to waffle between a low home cooked meal. And a high fast food. And honestly I'm just I'm leaning more towards the high fast food. But it's like right in between a high fast food and a low home-cooked meal but it's the highest of high fast food and I think if you can shut your mind off not pay attention to the story the plot anything and just focus on Jason Statham looking cool Jason Statham punching CGI creatures that are a little bit too unrealistic even for this movie Jason Statham fighting the Meg Jason Statham throwing people into the Meg, which is actually a pretty funny scene. You will enjoy this movie. If you are really looking forward to everything else outside of the Meg and the action, you're going to be in for a bad time. So just go in there with the proper expectations, and I think you will really like this movie. If you don't, you are going to have a really bad time but that's just my opinion i want to know what you guys think please let me know in the comments or you can email me at my email and we're just gonna move on to the next movie now i've been doing this review thing for a couple months now i'm actually getting close to a year in terms of 
having this podcast and also putting out movie reviews. So I don't say it lightly when I say that I try my best to be as unbiased as possible. So when I say that I might come across as a little bit unbiased, please know that it's not because of anything except the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tug at my nostalgic childhood heart more than any other property, period, end of story. I grew up on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. I saw all three of them. I even saw the third one in theaters. It's an experience that my mom still to this day will not forgive me for. When we got there, we got there a little late. So we had to sit in the first two rows of the movie theater with me having my neck craned up at a close to 90 degree angle to watch this movie from beginning to end. My mom hated the fact that she had to be at that angle and watch that movie and be so close to the screen. Even though it was the third movie, and I'm talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where they went back in time, I still had a great time. I had a great time when they did their animated movie and that wasn't very great even as I look back on it. I was still having a decent time when they did those two CGI movies that they've recently had in the past 10 years. So I've always given the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles way more rope than any other property that I've had the privilege of covering. So going into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, for me, it wasn't a question of would I like this? It was how much I would like it and how much would I be able to pull back, bring that little kid part of me that loves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to death, bring that kid in line with my adult self and really objectively look at this movie. So for this review, this is really going to test if I can be professional or if at the end of the day, I'm just a kid who is a New Yorker who loves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as one of the best comic book representations of a New York hero, period. <laughs> let's, let's get into this. So, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, we get obviously the same kind of things that we get with any first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. We get the brief overview of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We understand how they came into contact with their dad, you know, Master Splinter. We get how Master Splinter cared for them. We get the mysterious ooze that covered them and turned them into what they are. The difference being 
this movie has a little bit more of a story into how the ooze got there as well as it introduces us to another group of ooze covered mutants which i actually like i like the fact that in the beginning we're getting this backstory that we don't really get very much of in regards to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, especially with other groups for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, once that happens, because the creator is trying to create himself a family and corporate interests get in the way and those interests sadly lead to his death, a canister of ooze going down the drain and creating our much beloved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the rest of the movie takes place as you would expect it to. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles grow up, they become teenagers, and they go out into the world to gather supplies, but also are living in modern day New York. So they encounter various humans, and they start to learn what they want to be. Do they want to be just people who live in the sewer or do they want to be a part of society? Do they in fact want to even, if they get the opportunity, be heroes? So that's really the place that the story takes us. Now, I'm gonna start with the positives for this movie big positive for me in regards to this movie is the fact that these are actual teenage mutant ninja turtles now what do i mean by that well if you've seen any of the teenage mutant ninja turtles movies or most of the comic book representations you'll see that for the most part while they say they're the teenage mutant ninja turtles they may be teenagers, but they have the physical bodies of like adults, like 20, 30 year olds, and they don't really interact with any other teenagers. So while it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you can very quickly not realize that they are just young people and they're not really teenagers depending on how long they've been in the sewers. This version, in my opinion, for a movie, does the best representation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as actual teenagers. When you see their character models, they don't look like the average Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle character model, where they look incredibly strong, they're very big, they're huge. These turtles, while they definitely look big, they don't look so big that they're towering over most people and they're eye to eye with large people. These Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look, act, and sound like actual teenagers. And in my opinion, that's mostly because the voice cast for these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are young people themselves. So 
when you're hearing them, they sound like they're maybe 15. They sound like they're entering into high school or they're just figuring out high school. They don't sound like they are grown people saying that they're teenagers. So I really do appreciate it because while I know that on the TV side, they've experimented with it, they've never done it in a movie standpoint. They've never really gone into, yes, these are actual teenagers. They have teenage angst, not to the extent that humans have it, but these are people, these are mutants, turtles that want to belong. They want to coexist with humanity. They want to experience the same things that everyone else experiences. And because of their condition, they are cut off from all of that. I really, really enjoy focusing on that. And I got to really give a big ups to the entire voice cast for the Turtles because they are they're absolutely amazing. So that's uh, Micah Abbey, who plays Donatella, Shimon Brown Jr., who plays Michelangelo, Nicholas Cantu, who plays Leonardo, and Brady Noon, who plays Raphael. They are from beginning to end. They absolutely feel like they are teenagers. And I also like that because they're teenagers, because they're just getting into the world, they don't necessarily come across as they absolutely dominate regular people. I love the first fight scene that we get in this movie with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where there's a difference between training and actual experience. And I love that we get that first fight scene with them where they have the training. They don't have the experience. And the more experience they get, the deadlier they become, the better they become, which is great. I love it. I love this depiction of them as being actual children, actual teenagers who have to grow up. It really does focus on the one aspect that I've always felt that's been a little bit of a minisomer, the teenage part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I really, really love that. I cannot speak enough about how much the voice cast and everything like that work in regards to the turtles. Also, got to give a shout out to April O'Neil, who's played by Ayo Ibiri or Ed Beery. She is also from the movie Theater Camp. She was really good in that. She's also really good in this as April O'Neil. I got to give a big shout out to April O'Neil because that character has one or two moments that were just laugh out loud funny. And I don't want to spoil them for you. So I won't. Just know that there is a reason why uh, April O'Neil is trying to prove herself. And it makes perfect sense. 
when when you see it you're like oh yeah that's that's bad that's legitimately bad that's not cool so i i really do like that also i gotta give a shout out to jackie chan because jackie chan is actually the voice of splinter i did not realize it was jackie chan until after i finished watching the movie until i saw the credits and i was like that's jackie chan he did some really good voice work in this i didn't know that jackie chan could sound like he isn't jackie chan maybe that's just me he did not sound like he was you know jackie chan because i've seen so many jackie chan movies jackie chan is not a great voice actor he's an amazing action star i do think he's a solid actor but i think he's a better solid actor when he's speaking his native language not when he's talking in his secondary in english so just hearing him in this role the fact that he was able to get through an entire movie and i didn't realize it was him is wild it really is so big props to him because i know that took some work there are a couple of other things i want to talk about and that is the animation style in this is really good it is a form of this kind of sketchbook type look where it looks like it could have been hand drawn obviously this was cgi but the way that it seems to blend those cgi slash 2d comic book graphics it reminded me a little bit of spider-man into the spider-verse not spider-man across the spider-verse it's not that colorful and it doesn't change styles like that but this is a very well thought out and well animated movie so i really do need to give a big props to the animation that goes throughout this movie it never feels out of place it's very consistent so it doesn't just jump out of nowhere and change styles on you it feels fresh at every single scene and nothing feels like when the characters are doing it that it is unrealistic it all feels incredibly realistic in this animated world which is why i'm still once again tipping my hat to the animators in this movie for really just blowing the doors off with this movie another thing i do want to point out is that this is an action comedy and the comedy i really like because it's both subdued and it's also not subdued so there are moments where you have the typical comedy that you'd expect from a pg pg-13 movie and then it pushes the envelope at times which really surprised me and i was i was pleasantly surprised that some of the chances this movie took they were daring at least in my eyes so i gotta give a big props to the 
designers and the director, Jeff Rowe, he really did take some chances in regards to these storyboards because you can't take the same chances in animation as you would with live action shooting. If you change something, the animators have to go in and change the thing that you are animating. So it's cost prohibitive to improv too much. So that's why I say I'm surprised that they take the chances that they take because there's a lot less chances that can be taken when a movie is fully animated just because of the amount of work that the animators have to put into it. So I'm going to give them a big, big shout out in regards to the amount of work they did on the script and the storyboard. That's both solid. The rest of the actors in this are really, really good. But here's where we get to a downside of this movie. And that is the main villain. Not the main villain group. Just the main villain, sadly. It's not unknown for there to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that doesn't involve their main antagonist, Shredder. There have been several movies that have not featured Shredder as the main villain at all, which is perfectly fine. You can do that. It works. The issue is when you don't have Shredder as a villain, you still need a good villain. The worst Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies are not necessarily the ones that don't have Shredder as a villain. They're the ones that don't have a clear villain, period. And in this movie, while the villain is clear, the villain is not very good. So, Ice Cube plays the villain who's called Superfly. This is the most annoying Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villain I have ever seen. I know Ice Cube can act. I've seen Ice Cube act. So, I know that this was more of a... just a choice. I don't know who made that choice. It was the wrong choice in my opinion. I did not enjoy him in this movie. He was incredibly referential, which is fine when it's the turtles because the turtles are teenagers who don't have any experience. The fact that Superfly is supposed to be this technically older individual, it really points to the fact that he should not be making all of these references. He should be a little bit more mature. So the fact that he wasn't, the fact that it seemed like Superfly was a black exploitation character who was also a mutant. He would not have stood out if he was a human in the movie Superfly. And maybe that was the whole point. I'm not going to knock the directors and the writers and all that and saying this was not a choice. I'm just saying personally, I think it was the wrong choice. I love 
Ice Cube, I don't think this was the right movie for him in particular. So let's let's wrap it up and I'll give you my final review. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is an animated movie that I think the family can really enjoy. Even though it has a substandard villain, it does not take away from the absolute joy that can happen in this movie. In my opinion, this is a low fine dining experience. I think you should go out and see it in theaters. Get out of the heat, get out of the humidity, go to the movie theaters, go watch this movie. I think you're going to have a good time. If you've already seen Barbie, go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you've seen Oppenheimer, go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Treat yourself. Go and watch a fun little uplifting kids movie that is a little bit more clever than you'd think a kids movie could be. All right. Now, if you have any questions, if you think I'm completely off base or I'm absolutely showing my bias, which once again, I admit I absolutely can. Please comment, send me a tweet, send me an email and let me know what your opinion is on this movie or if you differ greatly from what I think in regards to this movie. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in several places. You can contact me on Twitter at Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at Two Sides of a Coin. That's T-W-O-S-I-D-E-Z of a coin, all one word. You can email us at Two Sides Podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about. And we'll talk to you later.